Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. His name is Ashkan Emami, and he's a partner and co-founder of a legal group called the Path Law Group. He focuses primarily on building relationships with clients, understanding their businesses, families, and immigration goals. He previously worked at a large immigration firm, which he left to create this this practice of his own. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you, Dr. Leica. Now, you've had an interesting journey along the way. Do you care to share that journey with us? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I was I was born uh, in Iran uh, in, in the early 80s, 1981, uh, in the middle of the Iranian revolution. Um, and my, my mother was a member of a small religious community called the Baha'i Faith. Um, and uh, the Baha'is historically had been persecuted in Iran. Um, and so we, when I was born, um, you know, uh, the situation in Iran was deteriorating and my parents decided that they, it, it would be time to, it's time to leave. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't safe necessarily for us to stay there, especially, um, you know, for my mom. And so we left, uh, and the plan was to come to the United States as refugees. Uh, we ended up, uh, transiting through Germany and we got stuck in Germany and Hamburg because uh, of issues with the paperwork. And so that was sort of where, where my exposure to immigration, uh, U.S. immigration law began. I was a small child. Uh, we left in 1984, 85. Uh, and so we were, we were stuck in Germany for about a year. Didn't speak the language, didn't really know anyone. We were supposed to be there for a week. And Eventually, uh, eventually we were taken in uh, by uh, this Afghan family and, and we stayed with them and, and uh, while our paperwork was sorted and uh, then finally got to the United States about, about a year later and, and landed in San Francisco. Um, and my sister, who, who's, uh, she's my half sister, she's about 20 years older than me, um, was an immigration in the immigration world at that time. So she helped, she helped us get into the United States. Uh, I later ended up working for her, uh, which is, which is really interesting. Um, so, you know, we got to San Francisco and, and then, you know, uh, just had the real immigrant experience. My parents, you know, had no money when they came here and my mom didn't speak the language and uh, she, she opened a salon uh, in San Francisco. Uh, eventually we moved to LA. Um, and when I was about 13, I was, I was sent to this, this boarding school, which is a high school on Vancouver Island. Uh, it was international school. They're, they're, kids there from 80 different countries. 
my first year, I had a roommate who was Japanese. I had a roommate who was from Austria, and I had a roommate from who was from the Ivory Coast. So it was extremely diverse. Again, a lot of exposure to people having these immigrant experiences.、Um, and when I went to college, I decided that I wanted to do human rights law.、Um, and once I got to law school, I realized that that's not necessarily that wasn't exactly the path that I wanted to go down because it required many of the jobs were in Geneva.、Uh, I wanted to stay in the United States.、Um, And I, I I realized that immigration law was was about as was about as similar as as a profession to human rights law as I could as I could enter. And so I I decided after law school to do immigration work.、Uh, I was working mainly with with doctors、um, who、uh, were getting visas to provide medical care in underserved areas.、Um, There's a special program for them, so that felt that was very that was very gratifying work. I also did a lot of asylum asylum work.、Uh, I would help other refugees and asylees come to the United States、uh, and get permanent residency here. I worked at this firm、um, for about six years with my sister, and I, you know, I I loved the the type of work that I was doing, but working in a firm like that.、Um, The position that I was in, I didn't have a lot of interface with the clients, and I felt like I I really wanted to sort of have more personal connections with them and 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 let it be have it be less transactional.、Um, so I thought a lot about starting my own firm, and then、uh, in two thousand eleven, I was just I was randomly I went to the doctor and I got a、uh, really unexpected、uh, thyroid cancer diagnosis. And that really changed the trajectory、uh, of my career. It gave me a sense of urgency to sort of、uh, start my own practice, take control of my career, and so I did. So I left and I started. I started a Path Law Group、uh, in 2015, and、um, yeah, since then I've been. I've been.、Uh, we've been growing the firm. We're we're seven people now. I have.、Uh, I have a partner who's also she also is an immigrant that's gone through the refugee experience. And- it sounds like you had quite the story there, sir, and it's it's amazing how how you came through that as an immigrant yourself, came through, then started working for immigrants to come, and then you got this curveball thrown at you this this diagnosis of thyroid cancer. How did you remain optimistic and hopeful with that diagnosis? Uh, frankly, it was difficult at the beginning. You know, I was I was I was 31. I felt like I was invincible, like as many 31 year olds do. And、uh, I I had、uh, I, I had quite a difficult time with it.、Uh, the 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 actual diagnosis、um, and the treatment were were okay. You know, a couple of surgeries, things like that. But the 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 mental aspect was the most challenging. Sort of dealing with. Concepts of mortality and you know、uh, what's happening inside your body and your health,、um, but ultimately,、uh, I think you know I I realized that I was healthy overall, you know, and that、uh, it gave me more than anything a sense of a sense of、uh, purpose and focus 
and perspective. And that's the, 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 the perspective that I got from that experience really helped me hone in on what I wanted to do uh, with my career uh, instead of just sort of floating around in the, in the legal world and just, you know, uh, waiting for something to happen for me. I, I took, it, it, gave, it gave me sort of, it was a catalyst. Uh, and I took a lot of, took a lot more initiative to start my own practice and, and do the work that I really wanted to do. I hear you. You know, immigration law for many people is very, very difficult. And if you don't do the right things, you could end up outside the country like your family did for a year. And there are many families, for example, that are still waiting from Afghanistan trying to get in because their paperwork isn't in order and things like that. It certainly is difficult for many of them to come over, even though their their status, they helped uh, as interpreters and things like that during the Afghanistan war. And so people still are having difficulties with that. Yes. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. It's a, it can be a very sort of uh, challenging process, and, and any mistakes along the way could have really dire consequences. And it's it's also a huge life change, you know. Uh, for my family, it certainly was. You know, we we're relocating, picking up, going to a new country. My mom was, my parents were in their late thirties and early forties at the time that we moved. It's like it's like a. Uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult to pick up everything and go to a completely new world at that at that time and under those circumstances. So, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. And and you certainly benefited. I mean, you came over, you started in a boarding school where you still have friends that you got there, and they're friends around the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, this uh, amazing friends, uh, friends all over all over the place now and really deep, genuine connections uh, at that school. Uh, that That's important. And, and I think you, you now not only have a network of people you could work with, but you also have a better understanding of how the world functions and, and the world as a whole, which is very important, especially when you're working with immigrants, having been on that side of the coin. Yeah, it's vital. You know, I think uh, the world's gotten smaller, you know, with social media and, and and connectivity, but we still have everyone comes from a different place. And I think you have to be sensitive uh, to people's, you know, cultural backgrounds and, and, and sort of the nuances of their of their backgrounds and uh, when you when you want to serve them. And you know that for a particular fact that you came from a very unique cultural place in the Baha'i faith. And there are so many other people that come from unique cultural situations as well. Yes, absolutely. It's absolutely true. I mean, I, I have clients from different religious backgrounds, uh, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you have to be able to relate to each, each of them in their own in their own way. Uh, but I, I got, I really did become accustomed to sort of uh, to finding common ground in high school when I had to sort of, I had roommates from all over the world and I was just we were learning on the go at a really sort of formative age on learning cross-cultural, cross-cultural communication, cultural sensitivity. I mean, you're all sort of adolescence. It's like a very, it's a very interesting time to learn all those things. I still use those, I still use those skills uh, now in my practice. 
Yeah. And, and you know, as teenagers, I think we're more uh, flexible and pliable in these things than when we are adults. As we're adults, we often have preconceived notions how things go and, and we're more rigid and we don't think of things in the same terms. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's the, the formative years are, are very fruitful when it comes to sort of learning the, the lessons that we'll carry with us throughout life. So do you have any advice to give someone who's going through a very tough time in their life right now, whether they're an immigrant or whether they're going through their own uh, physical problem, like a cancer diagnosis? Sure. My, uh, in my experience, there's, there's two things uh, that, that were most, that were most helpful uh, in, in, in my sort of uh, regaining my optimism and and one of them was community right uh being able to rely on and and uh you know lean into lean into your your community you know your friends and maybe your family your loved ones even just your neighbors just having a, having more of a focus on a, a communal um support uh, that was very, very helpful. I think, I think as human beings, we really need uh, connection with others. Uh, I think it could be a really a healing force. The other, the other thing is, is presence. Um, I, I learned that trying to, learning to focus on the present moment um, really uh, was an important skill that I, that I, I, learn and I'm still working on, uh, uh, but it's something that I started to sort of focus on more in the midst of my diagnosis, because really, you know, as, as, as the saying goes, we, we, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. And in, in, in the, in the present moment, usually there's some peace, you can find peace. Uh, and I think it's, it's a practice and it takes time and, you know, for everyone, it's different. For some people, it's getting in touch with your breathing. For some people, it's, getting in touch with your environment. Uh, but that was, a, for me personally, that was a very helpful um, sort of skill uh, or practice to, 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 uh, to hone. And, and I think that is, those are both very important. I think we have to realize we're all in communities and our communities help us. And those communities are very important and we need to sustain them and they need to sustain us, whether it's just your family community or whether it's the greater community around you. Both of those are very important. Secondly, your point on being present is very, very important. You know, there's so many people that are so intertwined with their cell phones these days that the cell phone is in their brain every minute of every day and they're tapping on it and they're working at it and they're doing, I, I think we're doing everybody a disservice by doing that. I, I think a cell phone has its place and I think it's a very useful tool, but it shouldn't be the master of our lives. We should master it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think they've done a really effective job with those devices, just getting us to constantly be relying on them and using them. It's like a, this little, like a little dopamine hit every time we pick up the phone. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's outside the bounds of moderation for, for a lot of people. And I think it could have negative effects. Yeah. And, and I think people that are totally intertwined with social media, 
every minute of every day are doing themselves a disservice. I, I think social media has its place and can be used as a good tool, but overall it turns into a social media that it has the opposite effect from what you want it to do. I, I mean, who needs 10,000 or a hundred thousand friends who needs all this stuff where people are, are intertwining every day. I, I really don't think that's the messenger or what you want from social media. I think it's a tool to communicate with a family or friends in a very intimate way, sharing pictures and sharing things, but you don't need all this other stuff going on with it all the time. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. So, I, so tell me, where would you like to go with your law firm and where would you like to see it in five years from now? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think that the the hope is to con continue to serve the people that we're serving now, who are creatives and professionals and others with extraordinary ability, at the highest possible level. Um, and you know, I think that that requires constantly um, fine tuning and uh, becoming masters of our sort of craft um not just in terms of of legal knowledge uh keeping up with sort of uh, trends in, in u.s immigration law but also in terms of sort of interpersonal communication and client service i think so i think that the hope is to the plan is, is for us to expand um our services uh globally um to sort of provide uh you know assistance with global mobility um, for creatives and professionals and, and those with extraordinary ability inbound and outbound. So, you know, people coming into the United States, uh, people going outside of the United States. And in doing that, maintaining the level of service and empathy, uh, compassion and quality that we've sort of developed over the last several years. You know, that's huge. And I, I think those are very, very important things. Now, this show is called the How to Live a Fantastic Life show. How do you live a fantastic life? Well, I, I, it's, it's always a work in progress. I think that's the, that's the first sort of principle is that uh, you, could, you could always be, there's always uh, room for improvement. Uh, but more than that, it's that the philosophy is that life is about improvement, right? The purpose of, of life is to, is to try and fail and succeed and, and, and continue moving forward. Uh, I recently have been focusing a lot on, on uh, my, my health, um, you know, uh, mental health and physical health. I exercise regularly. I have a, I have a machine <laughs> in my house now that I, I use four or five times a week that's pretty advanced. It's really pretty high tech and I, I love it. I, I do a lot of heat cold therapy, uh, which, which has been, which has been really helpful for me. Um, when I'm doing heat therapy, I have a, I go inside of like, let's say I'm in a sauna, let's say, 
when I'm in there, I'm drinking a lot of water, I'm hydrating very well, and I can't take my phone in there. So it's great. So I'm just sitting there and I, and then I take that opportunity to meditate. And so uh, it's, it's, I, I stack these things on top of each other. So I'm in the sauna, I'm drinking a lot of water, I'm meditating at the same time. Uh, and these things sort of have an aggregate effect of giving me a sense of well being and momentum. Um, so I'm focusing a lot on that. Uh, I spend a lot of time. I've, I have two daughters, uh, eight, eight and three. Um, I spend a lot of time with them, just watching them grow. And, uh, you know, really, that's where I try to practice presence the most is really just sort of soaking up the really cute and interesting and amazing things that they're sort of uh, developing. Um, and I try to tune into my community. You know, I try to I stay in touch with my, my close friends. A lot of them are having families now and, um, you know, just, just connecting with them. I mean, th those are, those are the main pillars, uh, of, of, of my life, uh, in terms of sort of, uh, having a sense of well-being and, and fulfillment. For sure. Yeah. Excellent. How do you recommend others live a fantastic life? I think it goes back to the, the principle of, of, of presence. Uh, I think many people will, will find that if they can tune into the present moment without trying to change anything, they might find that they already have a lot of fantastic things in their lives, that their lives maybe already are fantastic. Maybe the things that they feel like they're, they're missing, uh, they may reconsider those things and realize that they actually have there may there is a lot of abundance. I think I think presence can be uh, uh, a powerful tool for living a fantastic life for for, for almost anyone. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And and you know, you came from a, a a rather unique religious group called the Baha'i Faith, and now that has actually grown over the years to have thousands of people around the world. So that is interesting in itself. Yeah, I believe I believe now there's there are over five millions of millions of Baha'is. I believe in every country. Uh, so yeah, it, it it was a very uh, very beautiful sort of uh, religion to grow up around. I mean, a lot, a lot of the principles were, were really lovely: I mean, equality of 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 men and women, and and abolishment of prejudice and universal education. I mean, those things were really sort of beautiful principles to, to grow up around. And yeah, the, the by faith has grown uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I, and I think that's giving you some grounding and basis for who you are today. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's very important as well. Yeah. You're right about that. Okay. If you met a younger version of yourself on the street, what what advice would you give that person? Uh, I would say, don't be afraid to fail and stay active, active in terms of your physical health and in terms of, uh, of impactfulness. You know, I think sometimes as a, as a young person, uh, you know, you, you, you are either, you're either idle or you feel sort of overwhelmed by, you know, by the choices that you have to make. I think a lot of young people feel like they're, they're in a rush to make these really big choices at a really young age. I would say uh, just don't be afraid to try and fail. You know, uh, the more, the more you fail, the, the, the higher the likelihood of success.
uh, down the line. Um, yeah, I've always said people should not be afraid of failing and that life actually begins at the edge of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so if you live at the edge of your comfort zone, you will fail. There's no doubt about it. But those failures will get you greater success than anything else in your life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well said. And and you learn more from a failure than you will from success any day. So it's a good thing to fail forward, I think. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, also, the practice of meditation. I think that that's vital uh, for young, for young people. I, I, I wish I had, I wish I had honed that, uh, at a younger age, but I think, I think a lot of the solutions to a lot of our problems are already inside of our, our minds. We just sort of need to settle, uh, and sort of in order to find them. So how can people find out more about you and your, your law firm? Sure. Yeah. The, the name of the firm is Path Law Group. Uh, and you can go to pathlawgroup.com and uh, there's a lot of information there. Um, and uh, yeah, you can email us and at any time. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure, Dr. Leica. Thanks for the Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. We hope you have a fantastic life as well. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.